Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. Now, to some extent, I've been dreading this particular episode. Um, if I mention the word accounting systems and record keeping to you, you might be tempted to switch off at this point in time. And I've been wrestling with the whole concept for uh, at least a couple of days, thinking how to communicate what can be a dry subject and one that maybe lends itself to some alternative uh, presentation, let's say, uh, visually and using numbers, um, you know, in a written form or with graphics and that type of thing to communicate and articulate in an audio format. So I, uh, I think I cracked it actually. And, uh, so therefore please stay with me and bear with me throughout the episode. I'm going to do my best to convey what is actually a very important topic as part of, uh, of property investment. Now, property investing, a lot of people think it's all about property. And obviously, property is a significant part of property investing. But there's two other parts, really significant parts of being a successful property investor that uh, we've been aiming to cover over the over this series. And today covers one of those. And um, one of them, of course, is people. Now, the last couple of weeks, we, we particularly addressed that with regard to uh, tenants and letting agents and, and uh, that sort of thing. We've obviously in the past made reference to tradespeople and other vendors and, uh, and professional people that support us. So people plays an awfully big part in the property investment um, journey. But equally, finance is another big topic. And finance actually breaks down into a series of subtopics. And we've we've already talked about uh, investing or investment, properties in investment. We've talked about things like criteria and, and key performance indicators. Uh, a big area which we haven't gone into a lot of detail in, I must admit, but it's a whole issue of lending and financing in that sense. And today is all about, you know, really keeping a good record and um, it's kind of keeping us safe, knowing where we stand and that type of thing. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to illustrate in, in a simplified manner the, the sort of good principles of uh, good record keeping and accounting systems and, and things to be careful of and, and a few pointers in that respect. So that's what you can look forward to and I uh, do promise you I'm going to try and uh, make it <laughs> less than dull uh, if I can put it that way. But um, in the meantime I'd just like to hand over to Kaza who's going to give you a bit of an outline as to what to expect over the, the course of this particular episode. Hi Richard, I am doing great this week, thanks. So, a little later, I will be back with your voice and let's just say that we now have an international audience. Find out more in a while. We have another great resource to aid your learning and education and not just in property, with today's shout out. But before all that, we have our main topic, with Property Chatter and Richard. I do believe you are planning on making this topic of financial systems and accounting a fun one today. We shall see. Back to you now, Richard. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. So, 
Thank you very much, Kaza. Yes, um, it is going to be fun. <laughs> so, yeah, as I mentioned, we're looking at uh, at finance in, in property and specifically when it comes to record keeping and that type of thing, property financials. So uh, it isn't the lending side of it, it isn't the investment side, it isn't KPIs and that sort of thing, although that can form part of this particular area. It is all about keeping good records and understanding the difference between different ways of recording things. So um, I've got what I call the the one, two, three system of accounting to share with you as a, as a, a sort of a I- image that you can take away and, and have in your own mind. Hopefully this will help. Um, I, I, I have to really give some credit here. This is a form of a shout out to a teacher that I had at college. Now, at school, I was pretty, I was a pretty average student. Maybe shouldn't say that, but I, I was a pretty average student. I was perhaps slightly above average with English, but pretty well got average grades at uh, what was then O levels, is now GCSEs. So that dates me as well. But, um, needless to say, I went to college and I studied business and accounting at, uh, at a college and I was introduced to a, a teacher called Sue Waldridge and Sue I credit to really explaining accounting in in the most simplified way way I could grasp and has stood with me for many many years. Uh, I subsequently went on in fact to train as an accountant with a large practice called KPMG so uh, obviously has some sort of lasting effect on me. Went through university and indeed uh, tra- started training as an accountant. Um, I didn't stick with the profession because um, I think there was too much in terms of number crunching or auditing is not, you know, an exciting profession in my opinion. Sorry for any auditors and accountants out there. That's just my personal view. I'm, I'm very much more a people person. So I migrated actually not too far, but into financial services. So in financial services, I was able to work with businesses, looking at numbers and dealing with numbers, but also dealing with people. So that's a little bit of a digression perhaps, but I just wanted to share the context there and give a little bit of credit to, to Sue Waldridge, as I mentioned. So this one, two, three system, I, I was trying to rack my brain as to an easy way to kind of uh, explain an accounting system, uh, which wouldn't completely lose the audience, um, uh, you know, and obviously would be some way in which I could articulate this in an audio format. So this is, this is what I come up with, the one, two, three system, which literally hit me when I was showering this morning. I thought, that's it. That's what I need to do. So the one, two, three system is this, for any one thing, that you have going on in your property business, imagine that you have two pebbles and then three buckets. So that's the one, two, three. One thing, two pebbles, three buckets. So just have this image in front of you that you're sat there, there's one thing, you've got two pebbles, and anytime something happens, you need to decide which two out of those three buckets the item's going to go into. So I'll probably probably better illustrate that now so you can understand and follow where I'm going. But uh, let's take let's take an obvious thing like rent. So with property investing, um, unless you're trading property, you're usually going to be involved with rent collection in some way. So the one thing is rent, just to make that clear. So, but we need to break that down into two pebbles, don't we? Yes, we do. So uh, the two pebbles in this uh, particular scenario, uh, they represent two sides of the same coin. They're two things. They're uh, in accounting terms, it's actually called double entry bookkeeping. But two pebbles makes it nice and easy to understand. And then the three buckets I've mentioned 
are where we allocate those pebbles. And the three buckets in simple terms are bucket number one is the profit and loss account, sometimes known as the income and expenditure um, statement. So that's the incomings and outgoings to run the property business. The second bucket is the balance sheet. Now the balance sheet keeps records of assets and liabilities, fundamentally. And then the third bucket is the cash flow statement. The cash flow statement records every incoming cash and every outgoing cash. Now cash, obviously, I don't mean cash in hand, you know, or anything dodgy. Um, I mean, literally, you know, bank transactions, anything that you need to pay for or you receive money for is called cash flow. And in fact, um, just, just whilst we talk about that, the... Um, I would make a clear distinction with a property business. It is a business and it's separate to ourselves. So that actually means recording everything relating to the business, even if everything is in our personal name. And uh, the best way of ensuring that uh, things are kept in order is to have a separate bank account for all business expenses. So everything to do with the property, in other words. So I, for example, have uh, at least two bank accounts, but I have a personal bank account for everything to do with my day-to-day -day living. But I also have a business bank account, which um, I operate for my property business. So all my rent and all my expenses that relate to my property business, I keep separate from my personal finances. And if you take nothing else away from this particular episode, then that is one. Just have a separate bank account. Trust me, uh, trying to unpick what is personal from what is business at a later stage when the memory's gone a bit foggy is um, is very, very tricky. So that's the first piece of significant advice. But just to go back to my one, two, three, the one thing, the two pebbles is two sides of that same uh, transaction and the three buckets are the profit and loss account, the balance sheet and the cash flow statement. So that was a little bit of the theory. So let's just put it into practice and let's just take that example of rent that uh, I mentioned. So the two pebbles for the one thing of rent would be income. So rent constitutes an income to us. So one pebble needs to be thrown into the profit and loss account or income and expenditure account bucket. That's one pebble gone. Then we have another pebble. And the other pebble under normal circumstances would be thrown into the cash flow bucket because we would have received money from the tenant to to pay for the rent. So you can see then how rent breaks down into two things. It is both an income and a cash receipt. So that's that's just a simple way of explaining that. Now, a lot of you might be thinking, well, don't always get paid the rent. And you know, that's true. So let's just think about that scenario. So we have a tenant in the property and there is a rent, um, obviously, but the rent is not physically paid. Now, the two, there's still two pebbles here. One pebble is still called rent. We throw it into the profit and loss bucket. But instead of throwing the second pebble into the cash flow bucket, because the tenants paid, obviously in this case, they haven't paid. So it becomes a liability. Um, you know, it's, it, sorry, it's actually an asset. Sorry, it's an asset just to confuse you. We are owed that money from the tenant and uh, they haven't paid it in cash yet. So we can't throw it into the cash flow bucket because we don't have the cash. So what we end up doing is throwing it into the balance sheet bucket instead because it becomes an asset. It's money that is owing to us. Now, hopefully we'll get that money eventually, 
um, you know, when the tenant maybe pays us. And, and that often is the case with arrears, rent arrears, they fall behind, but eventually they pay us. And so in that situation, all we end up doing is taking that pebble that we threw into the balance sheet bucket out and put it into the cash flow bucket instead. So when we get paid the rent, we just transfer from one bucket to the next. I hope I hope I didn't overcomplicate it by using the wrong description. Uh, and rather than re-record it, I thought it'd be more entertaining to leave it in. So, okay, that's a situation with rent that's paid, a situation that rent's delayed, what we call arrears. There's a third situation with regard to rent, and that's if rent is not paid at all. And so a tenant absconds or, um, you know, we end up taking them to court and evicting them and just don't get paid the rent. There's a lot of scenarios where that can um, unfortunately happen. So here we still have two pebbles. It's, um, but in this case, we have, uh, we still throw one pebble into the profit and loss bucket for the rent because uh, we're assuming we, we should have got that money. It should be accounted for that rent. But the, the other pebble, it's, um, it's, so rather than calling it an asset now, which we can, we hope we're going to get paid at some point in the future, which is what happened with the rent arrears example. In this case, we're pretty certain and, or we make a judgment after a period of time that we're not going to get that money. We're just simply not going to get it. And that's what's called a bad debt written off. And so we actually take it away. And so we actually throw that also into the um, profit and loss bucket. But with the rent, it's gone in the uh, income side. And with the bad debt written off, it's gone in the expenditure side. So it's a way of deducting our rent. So uh, slightly more complicated, a bit unusual perhaps. But we're still using our um, two pebbles. And instead of it going into separate buckets, it's actually gone into, into the same bucket in that illustration. So... That's just, uh, you know, my one, two, three system taking one thing, two pebbles, three buckets. Um, let's just, ex let's just look at it in a slightly different way. Let's look at it with a mortgage, uh, buy to let mortgage. So the one thing is the mortgage. The two pebbles, on the other hand, well, when we get, when we take out the mortgage, we actually get cash because the lender gives us money. So one pebble obviously goes into the cash flow bucket because we get money in to the business. The second pebble, however, gets thrown into the balance sheet bucket because in addition to getting the cash, of course, we owe that bank the money. And that's what's called a liability. So the liability sits on our balance sheet. So that's where the one thing, the mortgage, falls into two pebbles, the cash that we get in and the liability that we go out. And obviously, we've allocated it across, across two of those three buckets, the cash flow and the balance sheet. So that's, that's my one, two, three system illustrated with a couple of different things. And, and all we all you do actually with, um, with a property business is that for any one thing that you have, and it could be a bill, it could be, um, maintenance costs, it could be professional fees, anything at all. Just think in terms of the one thing, breaking it into two pebbles and then three buckets. And, uh, and, and hopefully I've given enough information there to, to use that and simplify the way things work because it can get confusing. And um, as you can see that it makes a difference as I go into descriptions, it makes a difference where things are reported uh, for different people uh, under different circumstances as well. There we go. So to take this this uh, logic a little bit further, we're going to get into now a little bit more depth. And um, 
with uh, a business, uh, if, if you were running a formal business, anybody who has would be familiar with the uh, financial statements, the accounting statements. And I'm going to use some of those headlines to help illustrate uh, property as a business, in fact. So with the financial statements, we, we basically get three main statements. We have a balance sheet, as I've been mentioning. The balance sheet shows assets and liabilities. We have a profit and loss account which sets out the uh, revenue or income and the expenses of the business. Sometimes a profit and loss account is called an income and expenses statement, but you know it's the same principle. And we also have a cash flow statement, and the cash flow statement shows all money coming in and all money going out. And the cash flow could relate to things in the balance sheet or the profit and loss account. So as I mentioned, it's kind of like a bank account. Um, and so that's this illustration there. But equally, if you've ever looked at a set of accounts, uh, if you own shares and you get uh, accounts issued for the AGM or you run your own business or you've just looked at accounts for, for whatever reason, you'll notice there's what's called notes to the accounts. So you've got those three statements, then you have notes to the accounts. Now the most significant thing that I'm going to talk about at least in terms of the notes to the accounts are, um, are contingencies. So they're things that don't yet get reported in the in the financial statements but they could happen so in property terms a very good uh, example of that is if uh, you have say an early redemption charge on a mortgage so you take out a fixed rate mortgage let's say it's a I, I use an illustration of a five-year fixed rate mortgage the lender will say if you end that mortgage within that five-year period you'll have to pay them not only the money that's outstanding on the balance but an early redemption charge now it's called a contingency because if you don't actually redeem that mortgage early then you never pay that charge so if you if you wait for five years in a day and then settle that mortgage there will be no early redemption or early repayment charge but however if you redeem that mortgage after four years and 11 months which might be a bit unfortunate timing but just to illustrate my point then that early redemption charge or penalty would apply but on day one, when you take out the loan, it's what's called a contingency. It might happen. So if it were, if we were looking at a, a real business accounts, we might show early redemption charges in the contingency section of the accounts. And I'm just going to illustrate that as we go. In fact, I probably have the main one is those early redemption charges. But the other thing that's kind of implicit here is not risk necessarily what's in the accounts. It's how we record the accounts. So that's what's called as accounting systems. So they're not part of the accounts themselves, but we need an effective system to be able to record what's going on and to work out what goes into what of those buckets. So as I move through this, um, I realize that I'm actually probably most proud of this chapter in, in my book, The Property Investor Toolkit, because I was able to outline and illustrate and show um, figures and, and that sort of thing to, to explain. Um, so I'm going to, I am going to direct you to, to the book, um, you know, because it does set that out. So I'm just going to give some headlines in the, in the podcast, which will help explain things. But, um, for fuller explanation, I, I would actually write, divert you to, to the book. But starting with the balance sheet, as I mentioned, a balance sheet, as, as I said, sets out the assets and the liabilities of the business. Now, an asset is something we own of value. And uh, that's my definition. And the, the biggest thing that we're likely to own of value with a property business, of course, is a property itself. Uh, there could be other things like furniture. 
and uh, white goods like fridges and, and cookers and this sort of thing. But the most significant thing that we would own of value is the, um, the property itself. So that would be an example of an asset. And similarly, the definition of a liability is something that we owe of value. So again, the biggest thing probably that we're likely to owe as a property investor is a mortgage. You know, if we're using financing, a buy-to-let mortgage is our, probably going to be our most significant liability. Now, there could be other liabilities. So, for example, if we, um, the very, the, the easiest one to explain is if we get, say, an electric bill. Um, if we're picking up the electricity charge of a property, if we were to receive an electric bill, at the point in time we receive the bill, it's a liability. We won't have paid it necessarily. We may pay it later on. So at the point we get the bill, if we haven't already paid it, that would be a liability. But for all intents and purposes, the mortgage is going to be our most significant uh, liability. Now, the balance sheet, in very simple terms, uh, adds up assets and it adds up liabilities. And it therefore can tell us our net asset position. So the net asset position is either positive or negative, depending on whether assets are higher than liabilities. Now, obviously, we're looking for it to be positive, where our assets exceed our liabilities. So our net asset position is taking away the, in, in most you know, property investors' terms, the total value of our property uh, and deducting from that the total value of our mortgages. There'll be other bits and pieces, but essentially that's what produces our net asset position. It can get a little bit complex because in addition in the balance sheet we also show our profit and we also show our bank balance but I don't want to get into too much complexity on a podcast episode and that's why I've directed you to other other resources perhaps to, to find out the information. But another point that's worth really highlighting when it comes to the balance sheet side of things is this whole idea of capital expenditure or, or is sometimes known as capex and operating expenditure, also known as OPEX. And um, and these these two things are, are different. And, and really what it means is, uh, and it's most relevant for us as far as the taxman is concerned, the taxman will essentially allow us to make deductions against um, certain uh, gains that we make in property. So on, if it's rental income, we're allowed to offset what's called OPEX against rental income to reduce our tax liability. Uh, but we're not allowed to offset what's called capex against that same rental income. We are allowed to offset it eventually against tax, but it's only um, on any capital gain we would make on the property. And the capital gain would only come if we sold the property under normal circumstances. I'm talking about standard buy-to-let here rather than property trading to distinguish because it kind of does get a bit more complicated when you talk about trading. but. Let's leave that for the detailed analysis, but for the simple explanation, that's that. So, CAPEX and OPEX. Some of the um, illustrations that the, the HMRC, the tax man, would use to differentiate, he would say things like um, buying and selling fees related to the property itself. So, things like legal fees would traditionally be classed as a CAPEX expenditure capital expenditure. And therefore, we can't offset those against our rental profits. Uh, similarly, structural works, um, white goods, and um, and some higher, you know, um, upgraded type of replacements that go in the property. So, uh, a high spec kitchen replacement rather than a standard replacement would be an illustration. It can get a bit grey, but uh, they're they're some of the illustrations. How is that relevant? Well, it's relevant because um, as a property investor, 
the more money we can defer from a tax point of view, the better. The more money we retain in the short term, and therefore the more money we've got to invest in additional properties. So capex is um, not tax efficient because it means we have to wait until we sell that property before we can offset that money against tax. So therefore opex is the most efficient that expense that we can have because it reduces our tax burden on our rental profits. And you can in fact have a situation where you buy a property and you don't even pay tax for maybe a year or two because you've had to do some uh, OPEX uh, expenditure, uh, operating expenditure on, on the property. Illustrations of operating expenditure would be normal repairs and maintenance, like-for-like -like replacements. Um, equally, finance, cost of financing is an OPEX operating expense. So all of these costs can get deducted um, from rental profits and of course if you've not let the property out for a period of time you've not made the rental income it is it's quite common in fact when you acquire a property that you don't have any declared uh, rental profit for a, at least the first tax year possibly longer so understanding this distinction between capex and opex is also um, a, a, a very important thing there's more I could say on this topic. Uh, I just have to refer you to the book, to be honest, because um, I'm just not going to do it justice in an audio format. So moving on to the next statement, we've got what's called our profit and loss account, or the P&L, sometimes the income and expenditure statement. So in the P&L, we record uh, all of the revenue or income relating to our property business and all of the associated expenditure, uh, or OPEX, as I've been mentioning under the above uh, description. So it collects everything together in, in effect. Um, now the revenue is pretty straightforward with a um, with a buy to let it will be rental income primarily there could be other things but let's keep it simple it'll be rental income if it was a trading business i.e. buying and selling property with not not renting it out the income would actually be the the proceeds from sale of the business so that's a distinction uh, that we could make if we're actually a trader versus a, a long term investor but the the probably the more complex side of this discussion comes when it when we're looking at uh, expenditure and an allowable expenditure as I alluded to under the disc, uh, distinction between capex and opex um, under the balance sheet section. So let me just give you some examples of what are um, operating expenses and are allowed to be offset against rental income and therefore which should be shown in the profit and loss account. So mortgage interest is an example. Not the full mortgage payment if you have what's called a capital repayment mortgage because that falls into two um, sections. There'll be interest and capital repayment. It's only the interest element which is allowed to be offset against the uh, uh, rental profits and therefore will be an expenditure in the P&L. Other things typically would be uh, letting agent fees and expenses, repairs and maintenance and that type of thing. But there's also some more indirect expenses and you know some things are actually allowable as a as an offset against profits and it's worth looking into and having a chat with an accountant on this because things like travel and mileage to visit properties uh, to do inspections and this sort of thing uh, professional fees such as such as an accountant is an allowable expense um, some training costs are now it's a bit complicated what is and what isn't so bottom line is if it's to develop an existing skill it is allowable but if it's to develop a new skill then it isn't so it, it's a bit complicated as to what is allowable and then you've got some standard stuff like print postage and stationery and telephone which is also allowable so don't forget to record those kind of costs and very simply similarly with the balance sheet we've got a situation where we add up both columns if you like income and expenditure and we end up with a net position that net position is a net profit or a net loss and so very simply if our income or revenue is higher 
than our expenditure, then we'll end up with a net profit. And obviously the opposite would be true. So the third statement is the cash flow statement. Now, um, you might have heard the saying, I quite like quoting this saying, that uh, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash flow is reality. And you might have heard another statement similarly, which is cash flow is king. And, you know, I think I said there was one thing, if you didn't, you know, if you took away from this episode, that'd be the most important thing. Probably this is the most important thing, that cash flow is king. Um, you know, a, a bit of a morbid example I used in the book and I use now is that... Um, oxygen, uh, lack of oxygen to the brain is, is ultimately the thing that kills any human being, unfortunately. But um, in a business, lack of cash is what will kill a business, ultimately. So we can usually survive uh, difficult trading periods if we've got enough cash. So just to emphasize the whole value of cash. But in terms of the cash flow statement, as I was mentioning earlier, it records, it is this, it's the business bank account. It records everything that goes in and out of the business. Cash inflows, cash outflows. Um, and of course, some of those inflows and outflows could be in the profit and loss bucket. Some of them could be in the balance sheet bucket, but they're all going to be landing eventually into the cash flow bucket, um, you know, to use my three bucket analogies. So this is really important. And um, so many people forget that, um, you know, the, the timing of cash flow is so, so relevant. So where the, the most significant or most sensitive part actually with cash flow is when we buy a property. All of the costs are pretty well front-ended. The purchase costs, the associated refurbishment, this sort of thing. We're probably not going to rent it out for a period of time. So our cash burden is going to be most significant at the beginning of owning a property. Uh, and then there's other times in the cycle where that can be repeated. So, for example, if we do a refurbishment after a couple of years, we're going to be cash flow constrained. So having a grip on cash flow, understanding the timings and the principles of cash flow is very, very important. But there is a cash flow statement and it's important to recognize that. But keep a separate bank account, understand the timings of things and have a... Uh, actually, I was just going to give the, the, the clue away. The, the next section is contingencies. So in the um, in the introduction, I did talk about contingencies such as early repayment charges, something that might happen, but it isn't assured that it will happen, is what's called a contingency. So always keep in mind these contingencies, the, the what if, always is the question, what if something were to happen? So what if I was to settle my mortgage earlier? Are there extra costs is a question to ask there. But other things to, to perhaps consider in terms of the what if question, are uh, what about maintenance and so many people enter into a property uh, investment deal and don't consider voids and maintenance they they have to be considered and they will happen you'd be very lucky um, certainly to survive for any length of time without any voids or any maintenance any maintenance charges so a lot of people ignore that but um, but that's something to consider equally what if the tenant doesn't pay we need to make a provision for that type of thing what if interest rates rise or fall that will affect our mortgage payments? Uh, even if we're on a fixed rate mortgage, ultimately that might change. So there's a, there's a number of contingencies that we need to make uh, provision for. Another contingency actually is, uh, is kind of insurance based. And so, um, you know, fire is a contingency. It could, it could happen to the property. So it makes sense to take, uh, adequate risk protection and adequate risk protection would be insurance. So that's that's the whole notion of contingency. But uh, it could be such a wide topic, I don't really want to go into a lot of detail on podcast episode. Uh, 
Then the, the, the final section that I, I kind of wanted to um, cover is that of accounting systems. And um, in fact, if I refer back to my interview a couple of episodes ago with Damien Fogg, um, when I asked him, is, you know, what are your suggested systems? He said Outlook and Excel. And to be honest, from an accounting system point of view, Excel is perfectly adequate. So think about those three buckets that I mentioned of the profit and loss, the balance sheet and the cash flow statement and think of three spreadsheet tabs, which are those three things. And that's an accounting system. And all you really actually need to do is have income and expenditure recorded in your uh, profit and loss bucket or tab. And then you have to have your assets and liabilities columns recorded in your balance sheet tab or bucket and similarly with cash flow everything in and out um, you know in in the cash flow bucket so that's probably all you need certainly as a, uh, a fairly junior investor and as Damien suggested he, he, he suggests you know Excel's perfectly adequate for a couple of hundred properties so there are more sophisticated systems um, that, that can be used and if you do use your accountant they may give you their own uh, spreadsheet for example there are a number that you can get hold of from various uh, sources but you know, very simply, all you need to do is think of, think of my pebbles, think of my buckets, and then construct a spreadsheet or even just a paper journal. Uh, although I wouldn't recommend that on a practical basis because it's hard to keep tabs with. But uh, they're they're the essentials in that respect. So I really have kind of run through that quite quickly. I'm not sure if it's come over very well in a podcast episode. I've got a lot more illustration in terms of numbers and, and that type of thing that is in the book. So I'm going to refer you to that for um, for further insights, if you like. But um, I kind of wanted to highlight this point that fin- finance is such a big part of being a property investor. But finance is a big topic because, it, as I mentioned, it covers investing. So the principles of investment is a financial uh, consideration. It also covers things like raising money, like mortgages. So I'm going to probably have a whole, probably a whole series on financing, believe it or not, uh, coming up. Um, so I'm going to address that in much more depth uh, later in a later series. You know, similarly, the um, the record keeping is, is essential as well. But we touched in an earlier episode about key performance indicators and criteria, which is another form of number crunching or finance. But today, of course, it's all about the the accounting systems and the the one two three system. One thing turns into two pebbles and three buckets. So have that image in your mind whenever you're thinking about anything to do with uh, property investing, and you probably won't go too far wrong. Up next is your voice. It's all about you and your property world. I am not so sure about fun, Richard, but it did look like you at least tried to bring some imagery into the subject earlier with your pebbles and buckets illustration. So, that made things simpler for an audio format, well done for that. But maybe best to leave the fun stuff to me, hey? Now, talking of fun, you don't get much more fun than a carnival in Rio, do you? Well, we recently learned that. Whilst the podcast is available worldwide via iTunes, that if you happen to subscribe outside the UK and then leave a review, then we do not always get to see it. We discovered this when a listener in Brazil contacted us and then we saw a couple of reviews left for the show over there. Listening to a property investing show aimed primarily at the UK deserves a mention don't you think? Here are a couple of reviews from our fun yet ever so smart, property investing friends from Brazil.
First to Robson Bass, who gives the show a 5-star rating and title very good. Very easy understanding of property investing issues. I recommend. Thank you Robson, or as I understand you say in Brazil, Hobson, for that review from afar. Then, we also spotted another Brazilian 5-star review, this time from Anna. She describes the show as simple and direct. Very good podcast. Simple and easy to understand with very useful tips. Thank you so very much for listening and for leaving such nice reviews Hobson and Anna. I wonder where else we have listeners that we don't know about. In addition to sharing reviews from far and wide, we would love to hear more of your stories so here is a challenge for you. Send us your funniest, true property stories and we will select one or two to share on a future show. The contributor will get a copy of the paperback version of Richard's book, Property Investor Toolkit. Email us at podcast at thepropertyvoice.net for your chance to win and make us laugh too. That's all from me. Now back to you, Richard, for the shout-out. And now, where you can go for more great resources with the shout-out. Okay, so today's shout-out is, uh, in addition to a uh, shout-out back to uh, my old college lecturer or teacher, Sue Waldridge. Uh, I'm not sure she's going to uh, get the get the credit she deserves, but uh, I thought I should do that. But the, the, the main shout-out for today is actually a resource called Scoop It. Well, it's actually scoop.it. And um, Scoopit is a platform, effectively, which consolidates, uh, you know, insights and, uh, and curate, it's a curation, uh, curated content section is what I'm trying to say, uh, for topics. So it covers a wide range of different topics from activism to well-being. And obviously, one of those topics is what they call real estate. It's aimed at the international um, community, so it's not exclusively a UK resource. So it doesn't say property; it says real estate. So, but the Property Voice has a uh, a, a, a section on Scoopit, so you can find us there. Just look for the Property Voice, and what we use that platform for is uh, a means of uh, staying up to date with uh, news and information that uh, that circulates in in the area of property. And they can do keyword searches, so that you're actually being fed with stories which are relevant to your area interest obviously I'm interested in property but um, if I was interested in well-being for example or any one of the other sections I can create a page I can have feed information being fed there and uh, it's a nice little funnel to to profile and see what's going on in the world of course that information can be shared on various social media and whatnot Uh, in our particular case we have a following by all means come and follow us on the site that'd be great to have you but uh, we also have the the stories that get uh, recorded onto our main website every week as well but it's a great resource is is really the point so scoop it is the shout out for this week so um, as uh, another another interesting week on the Property Voice podcast, uh, I hoped you like my uh, one two three system with my uh, one thing, two pebbles, and three buckets. I hope that came over quite well in an audio format. Um, there are other places, obviously, to go and find out that kind of information. 
Um, but as I say, I hope it gave you some insights into keeping uh, effective accounting and, and financial records uh, with our property business. So that, that was it for another week. Uh, by all means, do head over to our website where the show notes will be listed and all the, all the resources that we've mentioned in today's show will be listed as well. Get involved. I mean, maybe you've got um, some great places to go for resources in terms of accounting and record keeping. A lot of people was asking about spreadsheets, and I'd be interested to find out great resources in that respect. So, if I could ask for one thing this week, it would be perhaps to go to the show notes and uh, and just provide some links to some great resources. Uh, that would be fantastic if you could do that. But in the meantime, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Property Voice podcast and until next time it's ciao 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 thank you for listening today now head over to the propertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list join us next time on the property voice podcast and if you enjoyed the show please don't forget to rate us on itunes